Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Well, amen. Well, it is so good to be with all of you today. And uh, I can't believe, I don't know if you can, um, that it's been one year since the day that we had our first at-home church experience. So one year ago today that happened. And so I do want to say something to those of you online, those of you that are watching on a screen or listening to a podcast. I just want to say uh, we love you, but I also want to say, man, great job. Um, Because some of you are home because you have to be. And I just want to say you've endured through a year of doing church in a unique way. And I just want to say we're proud of you. We miss you. We hope and can't wait for the day that we can all be back in the room together. Uh, But if if you did church online for six months and now you're back in person or nine months and now you're back in person or if you're still 12 months and counting, I just want to say we're so so thankful for you. And I want to also say, hey, hit, hit us up with an email or a text or a direct message. Go ahead and send me one if you want or one of our staff. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, but we just hope and believe that in the near future, we're going to all be back in this room together. Amen. And that's what we're praying because things are really, really getting better. And so today we are in week four of this fully devoted series and today's message is called keeps on getting better so everyone say get better better. i don't know about you but i really truly am starting to get cautiously optimistic about our world right now the covid numbers continue to stay low more and more schools are going back to in-person school more and more of us are getting the vaccine we are getting closer to the day that we won't have to uh, wear a mask. We'll be able to see each other's mouths again. It'll be wonderful. And uh, things are getting better. Amen. And, and here's the deal. Uh, you know, good days are ahead. COVID, I do believe, is getting better. The weather's getting better. The thunder getting, well, they're not truly getting better yet, but they're going to get better. Um, I realize Though, even as I say this and begin this, I want to acknowledge that maybe you're in a place in your life that not everything feels like it's getting better. That maybe for you, some things are getting worse. Maybe it's a health condition that's definitely not getting better. It feels like it's getting worse. Or maybe it's a work situation where you're like, things are falling apart. It's definitely not getting better. It's getting worse. And, but I just want to encourage you, if that's where you're at, how many know that that whenever things seem to be getting worse, God is always doing something behind the scenes to make sure that those who are in Jesus will always have a promise that things will get better. You know what I'm saying? Like there is that truth that if God is for us, then who can be against us? And I want to encourage you with that today. Uh, Hebrews 6, 9 says this, even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are convinced of better things. In your case, the things that have to do with salvation. Everyone say better things. things. One more time. Everyone say better things. things. Now, if you you believe that, I want you to just look at the person next to you and say, you've never looked better. (laughs) Now, some of you might have just lied. And I just want to say if that's the case. If that's the case, God is good and he's okay with it because we're here to spur one another on in our faith today, all right? We are here to say, dear friends, we are convinced of better things. And this idea of better things, meaning a better way, a better life, a a better future, this idea is actually scattered throughout the scriptures and in the Bible because there is a human desire 
for something better. Now, a few weeks ago, I talked about uh, this concept of FOMO, the fear of missing out. You guys remember this? How many of you guys remember this? Yeah, yeah and there, that FOMO leads to a thing called FOBO, which means, anybody? Yeah, the fear of better options, right? And so FOMO leads to FOBO, and, and here's the deal. People are struggling to make decisions, and the struggle is real for people to make commitments in life because there are so many of us that are afraid that a better option will come along. And so, for example, we might not commit, a person might not commit to him, to, to him or her because they are afraid someone better might come along, right? Or we can't commit to that career because what if there's something better? Or we can't commit to that volunteer role because I want to keep my options over, open in case there's something better. Or even in the church situation, I can't commit too deeply to a church because what if something better comes along? And so we always want something better. Think about it. We want better cell service. We want better food. We want better energy efficiency. We want better customer service. We want better education for our kids. We want better internet speed. I mean, how many of you know that we almost lose our minds when it takes longer than 10 seconds for a website page to open? You know what I'm talking about? When that spinning pinwheel comes up, we almost, we almost blow a lid, right? Like we, we're thinking, okay, we need to call the authorities. The internet is broke. Anybody with me on that? We want better everything. We want better government. We want better roads. We want better weather. We want the thunder to do better because living in OKC when the thunder are better, life is better, right? We want to hope someday have a better house. We want to have a better society where we treat one another better, right? We want better. We, we long for better. We are constantly looking for better, yet nearly everything in life that was once better eventually becomes worse. Nearly everything. When I was a kid, I used to think that McDonald's was the best. Nothing was better. Now nothing is worse. <laughs> the battle for better is real. And this longing for better can be good at times. Because how many know that the goodness of God does keep getting better? Right? That's why we sing, bueno es Dios. Come on. Bueno es Dios. I just like that today. God is good. You are good, Lord. Better can be a good thing. And I hope you want the better things of Jesus. I hope you long for the better days that we have ahead of us in heaven, waiting for those who are in Jesus. How many long and how many hope for the better place that we have in heaven? Anybody with me? Right? I hope... You want to grow and mature to be a better follower of Jesus. I hope that you resonate with the words of David in Psalm 63 when he says, because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. That's the memory verse coming up this week, by the way. All right, so I'm going to circle back in just a moment to what, where we started in Hebrews because I want to talk a little bit more about what the writer meant when he said, we are convinced of better things. What's he talking about? You know, the Hebrews, in Hebrews, the, the, the word better is actually mentioned 11 times, which is an intentional thing. He's up to something that writer is. But like I said, I want to back up a little bit because we do see this battle for better throughout the entire narrative of Scripture. Let's go all the way back to the story of the Israelites. We know the Israelites well. 
Moses goes, he says, let my people go. All this stuff happens, and finally they are released from their slavery, and they're headed towards the promised land. And you remember they left Egypt, and the whole time they're on their way to the promised land, the people are struggling, and they're constantly testing, is God really better? This battle for better was going on the moment, you know, that famous moment whenever, whenever they come up to the Red Sea, and they're at the edge of the Red Sea, and they get the charging Egyptian army coming in behind them. And there's that moment in which they think they're going to die. And they, they go to Moses and they start getting mad at him. And in Exodus 14, 12, it says this. Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. How many of you know that God showed them who was better when he split that Red Sea? You think that moment alone would put the battle for better to rest for the Israelites. But later the Israelites are wandering in the wilderness, which BT dubs they're in the wilderness because they, <laughs> they, 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 had, they had not believed in his promise, which they believed maybe he's not actually better. I mean, that's another example. But there in the wilderness, they begin to complain about the food. They wanted something better to eat. So in Numbers eleven eighteen 18, it says this, tell the people, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow when you will eat meat. The Lord heard you when you wailed. I love that word. When you wailed. If only we had meat to eat. They're going, meat to eat. You know, it's like this chant they were doing, meat to eat. I don't know. We were what? Better off in Egypt. Were you? Were you really better back then when you were a slave? Once again, God gave them something better. He began to miraculously provide them quail to eat. He gave them their meat to eat. This didn't solve the battle for better, though. It wasn't over. They were still questioning, is God really better? Numbers 14, verse number three. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land only to let us fall by the sword? So they're worried about their enemies. Our wives and children be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be, say it with me, better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader to go back to Egypt. Let me make this simple. The Israelite story isn't all that different from our story. They constantly cried, and I'm going to put it on screen. They constantly cried, the past was better. They thought, let's go back to Egypt. Let's go back. Let's go back there. Let me ask you, do you know anyone like this that's always talking about how the past was better? Maybe you at times can be this way a little bit. We look back and we think, oh, it was so much better back then. See, when we ask God to go backwards, to take us back, God, couldn't we say that there's some sort of lack of faith that God has something better ahead? You know, I certainly believe in celebrating the past. I certainly believe in honoring the past, being grateful for the past, worshiping God for all the things he's done in the past. I want to I learn from the past. I want to own the past. I want the past to shape who I am today, what I do in the future. I love remembering the past. But we can't believe that the best days are behind us. We must believe God 
is not done. And that his promise is not forgotten. That he has a plan for our hope and our future. So no matter how good the days were in the past, there's something better ahead. We have to actually believe that. Because I hear this sentiment a lot in our culture today. That things aren't as good as they used to be. And there's some truth, depending on what sort of perspective you want to look at, there's some truth to that argument, however, comma, <laughs> there, is, there is a promise ahead of us that says something de- different about the battle for better. Because the battle for better is full of people who struggle to have faith that God will continue to overcome, continue to provide. I want you to think about these Israelites for just another moment. You would think that they had encountered God, right? They encountered the awe and the wonder and power of God. Whenever he came to Egypt, he sent the 10 plagues upon Egypt that allowed them to go. Then they got to the Red Sea and thought, well, I guess it can't get better. Let's go back. Then they got in the desert. They got hungry and they thought, well, I guess it can't get better. Let's go back. Then they got a little further down the road and they were worried about their enemies and they came face to face with them. They said, well, it surely can't get better. So we should go back. At what point do we acknowledge that we cannot go back, that we can only trust him for what's ahead? You see, I'm saying this to somebody in the room because I believe you keep looking back and you keep asking yourself, I want to go back and fix that problem. I want to go back to the good old days. I want to go back to where I could trust the politicians or I could enjoy my culture that I live in or I could love whatever it is that you used to love and you just don't anymore. We can't go back. We can't go back to the 80s when music was just better. (laughs) 80s music, 80s rock, right? 2020s rock, right? No comparison. But I got to believe God has something better coming. Right? It's coming. I'm just waiting on it. I believe that we're not done. By the way, worship in the 80s versus worship today, that's better, right? Come on. <clears throat> no, we have to live with what we have today. We can't go back. We can learn about, learn from the past. We can appreciate it. It can shape some things. And it's okay that we can't go back. Those days have been good, but the days ahead that God is bringing are going to be better. I love the prophetic word that the Lord gave to Habakkuk in Habakkuk 1.5. When the world was in peril and people were crying out for help. When you read that story in that book, you kind of, you get some shades of today. You get some reminders of today that the world is in peril and people are crying out for help. And the word of the Lord comes to Habakkuk and he says this. He says, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. We've used this verse many times in, in relationship to our nonstop prayer. He said, for I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. So sometimes we just got to know that God, is, God has got good days coming. So sometimes we think this idea, we can go back to this, this main idea that the past was better. That's one of the battles for better, but there's another battle for better. Sometimes we think, I think I know better. Now, this particular battle for better goes way back before even the Israelites. We could go all the way to the beginning, couldn't we, with Adam and Eve? They thought they knew better. But that one's a little too easy. Go to the story of Abraham. Abraham was promised in Genesis chapter 15 that God would give him a son. In fact, he'd be the father of many nations. 
But if you remember the story of Abraham and his wife Sarah, they were in their 90s and they had had no children. In fact, in Genesis 17, Abraham laughs and says, God is going to give us children. I'm 99 years old and Sarah's 90. And so, yeah, they had this promise, but it wasn't coming in the time that they thought it would come. And so Sarah and Abraham thought, maybe we know better. So they decided Abraham should go and have a child with their servant, Hagar. So before God fulfilled his promise, Abraham thought, I think I know better. I'll take care of this one. Get over here at Hagar. (laughs) And I'll go around you, God, and make my own plans to have a child. By sleeping with another woman. By committing a sin. By going against your will. And I'll get what I want. Abraham and Sarah were like, I think I know better. How did that work out? If you know the story, Abraham's son with Hagar was a boy named Ishmael. And Ishmael was not a fulfillment of God's promise at all. In fact, Ishmael became a problem. God said, you don't, you don't know better, Abraham. But because I made the promise, I'm going to go ahead and fulfill it. And so he fulfills the promise and he gives him a son through Sarah. And that son was Isaac. Isaac lives a good life. The nation begins to build. And then he has a son named Jacob who God renames Israel. And the nation of Israel is born. I think the I know better battle happens a lot in life. We see it, of course, in Adam and Eve, as we just said. We see it in Abraham. Think about Jonah. He said, no, I'm not going to go to Nineveh. I think I know better. How'd that work out for Jonah? It happened with David. I'm not going to go to war. I'm going to stay back. It's good. I think I know better. It happened with Judas, right? Judas said, Jesus, I don't even think you're better. I think the money's better. I think the public opinion is better. I think I know better, Jesus. The battle for better has been going on for a while and, and, and this brings us back to where we're going to land today in the book of Hebrews. I mentioned that the word better is mentioned 11 times in the book of Hebrews. But I want to review real quick. So there is a tendency not only in the story of God where we see it the Israelites, but with us that sometimes we think the past was better. And sometimes we think, oh, you know, I think I know better. Yeah, God said this. God promised this. God told me this. God's leading this way. This is what God's word says but I think I know better. This happens a lot in the world. And then, even before we get to this last one, I think this idea of less devotion may be better. I'm gonna talk about this one, but I really want you to, even at this moment, to just pause and say, Holy Spirit, I'm gonna listen because I think you might have something for me today. I believe the Lord wants to speak to us. I always believe he wants to speak to us. He wants to speak to us, but I, I believe today there's gonna be many of us that he's going to say something to us that's really going to make some, make some realities come to life for us that we realize, oh, just like some self, self-realization about something we do in this, con- this concept of the battle for better in our life. Are we really, really believing that God is better? And so this last one, the Hebrews were dealing with a battle that is best described as less devotion is better. So I want you to follow me on this. Hebrews 6, chapter nine, or verse 9 says, Even if we speak like this, dear friends, we are convinced of better things. This is where we started today. 
And in, in your case, the things that have to do with salvation. He's talking about the relationship that we can have with the Lord. So before we go on, everyone say better things. That was just a pulse check. You all with me still? Yeah. All right. So what is the writer of Hebrews talking about? First of all, this letter was addressed to Christians who were likely in the area of Rome. They're in Italy, specifically written to converted Jews, meaning the title Hebrews, if you know much about Jewish history, was one of their title, ancient titles of what they would call Jews. So this is written to Jews who had converted to Christianity and are now followers of Jesus. So this letter is specific to a group of people who are, yes, new to Jesus, but they're not new to faith in God. They actually knew the story of God's people. So he's writing to a group of people that they know the stories of God's promises. They know the stories about Abraham, Moses, you know, all, all the greats, right? Elijah, whoever. They know about all these people. And the writer of Hebrews does a number of amazing things to make sure that he's speaking to this group, this audience, in a very specific way. Most notably, he, he connects the ancient faith of the Jews to the person of Jesus. If you read through it, that's what he's doing. He's trying to pull the, pull the strings together of the Old Testament Jewish faith to Jesus. This is where we see the lines in Hebrews about Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith. Jesus is our anchor. What do you think he's doing? He's saying, listen, everything that's been going on for all time in our faith and our religion as God is the only God, God is the creator God, it is now rooted in Jesus. So he's doing some serious like theological kind of Christological work of the rooting and the, uh, of, and the purpose of Jesus in our faith. And he's doing this to a group of people who have a background in faith. But there's also something going on in this book that's not just about that purpose. And you can kind of sniff it out in a few different places. Most notably in Hebrews chapter 5, you get kind of a glimpse into what he's trying to say to these people. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 11 says, We have much to say about this. He's referencing his, this big idea of Jesus. But it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, by this time you ought to be teachers, yet some of you need, some, someone needs to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. So this sounds like the writer's kind of upset with them, right? They aren't trying anymore. They should be teachers, but they're still kind of fumbling around with milk. And they, they need the elementary uh, teachings of, of the gospel given to them. And so that's why, of course, he's writing this letter to give them all those foundational things. It sounds harsh, but if you really read the entire letter, he's actually encouraging them. He's saying, don't stop believing. I need you to keep living for Jesus. Don't give up. Don't quit trying to understand how to live in this world. Don't remain immature. He says that later. I want you to mature in Christ. He says, keep going. Keep getting better. Your devotion really, really, really matters. This is what he's saying to them. And he's saying this to a group of people who are in an environment in, 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 the, in the ancient Roman world where they are under the persecution of an emperor called Nero. Now, Nero was known for his cruel treatment of Christians. It, really, anyone who believed that there was a God that was more, uh, had more authority and that, that it was kind of a, if you will, a threat to his rule and reign. So anyone who opposed his supremacy was considered expendable and better off tortured and killed as an example to the rest of the world that, hey, you don't come against Nero. He wanted to, he wanted to lead through 
fear. And so he, would, he was persecuting Christians left and right. And so these first century believers, they started to entertain a thought that maybe this whole passionate faith in Jesus wasn't worth it. They're thinking maybe it's not actually better. Maybe it's not worth it. Maybe we don't want our head on a stake. <laughs> maybe life under the radar and not as passionate for Jesus is a better way to live. I think people in our world today have a similar thought. We don't live under the threat of Nero, but we live under other threats, whether it be, as we discussed a couple weeks ago, public opinion, or the judgment of others, or the rejection of others. Or maybe we're not quite convinced that God is better than materialism or individualism. Maybe we're not quite convinced that God is better than, than seeking power or seeking fame or seeking the accumulation of more money. Maybe we're not convinced that God is actually better than those things. And so we wonder, as the Hebrews thought, maybe less devotion is better. Maybe I should just coast it out. Maybe I should just not be all that passionate, sort of mediocre, if you will, half devotion. Maybe that's a better way to live. Because for the Hebrews, full devotion was costing them something. How many know that full devotion to Jesus will cost you? By the way, the things that it costs you pale in comparison to the things that you'll gain. So they were thinking, perhaps we should go back to the way it was when we were just sort of average Jews that didn't have a lot of passion about our faith and we could fly under the radar. Perhaps less devotion is better. This is what the Hebrews were dealing with. And if you know the book of Hebrews, you probably are familiar with chapter 11. Yes. Chapter 11 is, is, is what's known as the Hall of Faith. And in that chapter, it's full of all these references to amazing people of the Jewish past. Remember, who's he writing to? People who knew the past. And he's writing to them about the faith in people like Abraham, which, by the way, Abraham, we kind of threw him under the bus earlier, but he was a man of great faith, wasn't he? He was a man of great faith. And, and, and the writer also mentions Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Rahab, David, Samuel, and others, right? And they're all in the hall of faith. Why do you think the writer was reminding them of their past? Do you think he was saying, hey, all the fully devoted, they're in the past. Things were so much better back then. Do you think he was saying, hey, the past was better. You guys are losers. No. The writer used, to, used the past to propel them into their future. He's like, look at what God did through them. And don't you know that we have it better than them because we have Jesus? Don't you know that the things he's done in the past, he'll not only do it again, but he's got better things in store? He's like, don't give up. Don't quit trying to understand. Don't, don't take the immature road. Press in. Keep going after it. This is what he's saying to the Hebrews. Less devotion is not better. Check this out in Hebrews 11. 
verse 39. This is how the chapter 11 ends. He says, these were the true heroes. Again, he's been referencing all these heroes of faith. Commended for their faith, yet they lived in hope, right, for the future, without receiving the fullness of what was promised to them. But now God has invited us to live in something better than what they had. Faith's fullness. What's he talking about? He's talking about Jesus. He's like, listen, we have something better than all those faithful people had. We have Jesus. And then I love this line because I'm a little bit disappointed. I'm like, oh, man, their promises weren't fulfilled. And then he says, this is so that they could be brought to finish perfection alongside of us. Meaning God's not going to forget his promise to them too. He's going he's to bring all of those heroes of faith, even without Jesus, into perfection right alongside of us. So over and over again in this battle, it keeps ending the same way. God keeps winning the battle for better. God keeps showing us that he is better, that Jesus is better, that God is better in every possible way. If we're honest, and I mean this, if we're really honest today, we are tempted at times to think that something else may be better. I would admit even as a person who leads a church, as a pastor, sometimes I struggle with this battle for better and wonder, man, is what I'm doing really, really what I should give my life to? Is there something better? And even though 99% of my life is filled with, you know, belief that there's nothing better. This is what God's called me to. I, I too am filled with moments in which I'm tempted to think, oh, the past was better. Or I'm tempted to think, I think I know better. I mean, I know God's word says this, but is that right? I'm tempted to think less devotion is better. I mean, nobody cares. Why does, I mean, why am I doing all this? No one cares. Let's just take it easy. Like, take a step back. Like, quit trying so hard. Quit, quit fighting the fight. Quit, quit trying to just keep pressing in. Like, is it, does it really matter? And so I ask myself, does it really, is it really better? We're all tempted to wonder that because the battle for better is real. And we don't want to think this way. We want to say, God, I know you're better. That's what we want to think. And, and I'm just giving you three examples today. There's, there's other ones, of course, whether there's the battle with sin and we ask ourselves, is sin better? Or whether it's some other battle with flesh and blood or some other battle with the future or the past. Or, but these battles over our mediocrity in our faith or our full devotion to Christ. I mean, all those things. And every one of those battles, I just, I just want to say, though, God wins every time. Because God is better. He's more than enough. And if we said he's more than enough and we made that into a song, that song would be on repeat from all time, right? Like for all time, it would just keep playing over and over again. He's more than enough. He's more than enough. He's more than enough. So what do we do? 
What do we do? How do we, how do we live better? Well, the next line in Hebrews, from the one we just finished a minute ago, it's the start of chapter 12, and it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Have you ever been confused what that, that, what that line is all about? The great cloud of witnesses is a reference to the past, a nod to the past. It's a nod to all the people he just talked about in chapter 11. Like, they are the witnesses of all the work that God has done. And since we are surrounded by such a great, great cloud of witnesses, faithful believers that have went before us, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. That stuff's not better, is what he's saying. Get rid of it. Throw it off. And let us do what? So what do we do? Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. Colossians 1-2 says, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For a life that is fully devoted, the battle for better is decided <laughs> every time. Nothing is better than Jesus. Nothing in the past, nothing that compares. And a lot of you I know are just saying, yes, yes, I agree, I agree, I agree but the battle for better, better takes place in your life every day. And you have to choose Jesus in those moments of battle. A fully devoted life throws off everything that hinders you from running the race that's marked out for you so that you can fix your eyes on Jesus and set your mind on the things of heaven. Because a fully divided, devoted life knows that God is better. I wish we did a word count on how many times I've said better today. I've said it a lot. No matter what temptation we face in life, God is better. No matter what we faced in our past and what we're trying to overcome, God is better. No matter how scary the future looks, we can't turn back and go, go, go back to Egypt, right? A fully devoted follower knows that life keeps getting better with Jesus. Everyone say, God is better. I hope, I hope that you're actually feeling a little better right now. Feeling encouraged. In fact, I just want to pray for us because I know some of us need encouragement today. We need the Lord's goodness to kind of wash over us, to give us hope for the future. Would you bow your heads? I just want to pray. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. We want you to move in us during these next few minutes. We want you to just do what you want to do, to take sort of this if you will, this platform we've stood on and that, Lord, it would be a springboard. You would make it into a springboard right now into the next thing. So, Lord, take, take whatever we felt like is solid ground and turn it into a springboard to where you're calling us to. I just pray, Father, for, uh, um, for each of us, Father, that we would, we would be consumed with this idea that, Father, you're better than everything else. That a fully devoted life is just acknowledging that, that you're better. And so, Lord, I pray right now 
for anyone that needs to hear today for, the, for kind of that, that, what the verse speaks about in salvation, that this reality that Jesus is better. And so maybe today you need to give your life to Christ. Everyone's heads bowed. And I just want you to just consider that. Have you ever given your life to Jesus? Have you ever said yes to him and received his gift of salvation? And if you wanna give your life to Jesus today, you just can say a simple prayer to say, Jesus, I give you my life. You can just whisper that prayer right now. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. If you wanna give your life to Christ right now, if you wanna just declare him as the most important, the better thing, the thing that you will continue to just serve the rest of your life, just say, Jesus, I give you my life. As we worship today, we want it to be a time of response. We want these altars to be a place where you can come and find freedom and that you can pray and declare to God that he's better. And maybe today you need to be encouraged that whatever, whatever it is that you look backwards to, whatever disappointment you have in today and in the future, that maybe today you can embrace something different. You can embrace that God has better days ahead for you. If that's you, I would encourage you to come and pray during the song. Or maybe you need to be encouraged to think that you don't always know better. Maybe it's to a group of people that you treat this way, or maybe it's even to the Lord. And if you need to just humble yourself before the Father and say, Lord, I just wanna trust you, I wanna surrender to you because you're better. Come and pray today. And lastly, do you need to fully embrace this idea of what a fully devoted life looks like. That it's not better than half devotion or mediocre devotion or, or under the radar devotion, but that a fully devoted life is just better. And you need to come and say to the Lord, I wanna, I wanna fully devote my life to you. Just come and pray. Fill this altar with prayers saying to God, we, we just, we just want to declare that not only you are good, but you're better than life, Father, and that our lips will glorify you. Lord, we give you this time. As we sing this song, Father, may the lyrics declare our desire to be fully devoted to you. May our prayers declare our hearts that just desire to be fully surrendered to you. Lord, we love you and we pray these things in your name. Amen. Would you stand with us? Stand with us and, and start to move. Start, if you feel compelled to come pray, come pray while we sing. And allow this time to be a time of response to the Father. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.